0: This is Business Women Australia Podcast, featuring industry leaders who bring their wealth of expertise from diverse areas to help you build a successful business. Now, onto the show. And welcome to another episode of Business Women Australia Podcast. I'm your host, Anne-Marie Cross. Now, my guest today says success is what happens when preparation meets knowledge. And joining me on today's show is Dr. Sasha Fulton. Now, Sasha is an accredited sports scientist, preparation specialist for athletes, and advisor to high-performing business teams and executives. She holds a PhD with the Australian Institute of Sport, and she has helped prepare numerous Olympic teams. She's also worked at the WA, Institute of Sport, assisting the athletic improvement of Olympic and aspiring Olympic hopefuls. Now, she is passionate about helping ambitious people to unlock their potential and reach their goals. She is a surf lifesaver, a keen athlete, and an adventure enthusiast, having hiked to Mount Everest base camp and completed 1,700 kilometers on foot over 62 days of Camino de Santiago. Now, on today's show, Sasha's going to share lessons from the field of sports science to improve business and organisational team performance. She's going to talk about the science underlying high-performance strategies, as well as the practical lessons learned that can be translated to business management, as well as the characteristics of high-performing teams and individuals. Welcome, Sasha.
1: Good morning. Thank you.
0: You must be very busy at the moment. We've got a lot of uh, information and and lots of exciting things happening in the world of the Olympic sports. Tell me, have you always been interested? It sounds from that introduction that even as a young child you were always fascinated and involved with sports. Is that a correct assumption? Yeah, definitely.
1: I think it was probably more the movement of the body. It was probably more um, interested in in this body that we've been blessed with and what it can do. So if all the, you know, if everything aligns, if we treat it correctly, if we apply the knowledge that we know of sports science, what can this body achieve?
0: Yes. Wow. And, you know, speaking about the Olympics, of course, one of the things that we know when we get to that level, when the, 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 the sporting um, individual gets to that level, there's certain things that you can do that just allows the body to operate at maximum. And I love the way that you are now bringing what you've learned in that particular area and transitioning that to business. And teams and performance. What happened there? Was that something that you naturally saw, or did you just start using some of the principles within the business space? How did that occur?
1: I think it was probably it was probably a little bit of a light bulb moment, to be honest. Um, and it actually it occurred on the Camino. Uh, so I I sort of left when I I got made redundant from the Western Australian Institute of Sport in 2018 Um, and I went on this sort of soul-searching journey across Europe Um, and I think there was a moment where I sort of realised that I didn't need to be perfect every day. Mm. I just needed to get up in the morning, put my shoes on, follow the signs and I'd reach my destination. Um, So I think there was a bit of a moment there that went, well, all of these strategies that we help coach our Olympic athletes in, why can't we transfer these to other aspects? Why can't I prepare a school student for their exams the same way I'd prepare an Olympic athlete for competition? Why can't I help coach businesses Um, and organisations to improve performance the same way that I'd prepare an Olympic athlete for competition.
0: Yeah wow and of course we're going to talk about some of those lessons in a moment but before we do that can I ask there's obviously practical things that we can do obviously in sport there is things to do practically with the body and whatever that sport that you're in a lot has to do with mindset too I would imagine both are important yes?
1: Absolutely Um, and I think I think athletes almost have this distinct advantage um, to use their minds where it's not sort of, it's not such a given space when you walk into an office and your performance is kind of behind a computer, if you like the achievements and the outcomes are essentially the same. We're still trying to achieve the same thing. Um, But the athlete has to, you know, they've got to overcome things such as uh, performing on the world stage. So knowing that when they're competing, you know, potentially if it's the Olympic stage, they've got millions of people worldwide that are watching their performance. Um, So I think that, yeah, the mindset and, and it's, you know, we know now it's it's not enough just to prepare the body uh, to compete at the very highest level. Um, and essentially, um, you know, when we reach an Olympic final, so you've got, um, you know, eight of the world's top sprinters in that 100-metre race, at the end of the day, the physical talent is very, very, very similar. Um, often what it can come down to is the mindset. Mm-hmm. Um, you know who who wants it the most. Who's who's prepared to to go out and get it?
0: Yeah, and what you're saying to yourself too. I mean, I know if I think um, back to just some of the movies that you see, and I mean, aspects of movies we know are, are Hollywoodized, if you will. But really, that whole what you think can uh, really impact, as you say, how you perform on that day.
1: Absolutely. And you'll you'll watch with elite athletes, they, they talk about this sort of alter ego effect that there's there's a time where the athlete will suddenly switch on and they know that it's 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 actual game time. Yes. Um so great examples. Rafa Nadal, um, you know, when he pulls on his headband, that for him is his moment to say, you know, game on, this is yes. ready to go. You're saying bolt. Um, At the start of the 100 metres, you'll often, you know, you'll watch him, um, he'll bring a finger up to his lips to to silence the crowd. But I think um, that sign is actually a sign for him as well to say, quiet in your mind, it's business time now.
0: Yeah, brilliant, Mm. brilliant although those in itself i think can be huge lessons from the sport, from sports and and people who are doing that that we can bring into business and as you've said we don't really think about that so much in business, yet I think moving forward from what's happened in the world, you know, around the globe, we need to be much more mindful around what are we bringing with us into the workplace, into meetings and boardrooms when it comes to what we're thinking. And as we know, our our thinking is impacted by emotions. All of that's so important. Not often we something that we talk about, but I think moving forward, very, very important. What are some things that we can be mindful of to help us improve business and organizational team performance, Sasha?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. So, I mean, uh, you, you know, a couple of things that come to mind. And again, the elite athlete almost has this, um, they've got the greatest excuse, if you like, to be um, super prepared. You know, no one when it comes to sleep, say, if we talk about sleep now, you know, we're constantly telling athletes or or encouraging athletes and the wider community to get a minimum of eight hours sleep per night. Mm -hmm. Um, And and if you like, you know, everyone knows how hard an athlete works. And so there's there's sort of every excuse for the athlete to get that solid eight hours, whereas I don't know that that happens um, so much in business. Um, with people actually getting the amount of sleep they need. Um, And then when you're coming into a boardroom, when you're having to make critical decisions about uh, team productivity or, you know, the next strategic sales move, um, you know, sleep can be a a really defining factor on your clarity of thought, um, how you interact with people around you um, and how you're getting the best out of yourself.
0: Yes. And decisions too, being able to um, make quick decisions by, you know, having all of the information, asking the right questions can be inhibited, if you will, if you're not getting the right sleep. And isn't it interesting that in the sporting arena, uh, the sports people are encouraged to get a lot of sleep, whereas often in the business world, not all the time, but with in some instances, and I'm, I've just recently spoken to some people in the US, the people who were work really hard, work really long hours staying, Mm -hmm. they seem to be looked at and and rewarded more in comparison to those people that are actually taking time out and resting. And it goes to show, science proves that rest is so important if you want to maximise performance.
1: Absolutely. And and I, I want to say there's potentially a changing culture in the business world now, I think, with this, the younger generation coming in, who are much more about balance and about life, not just about business. And so I think we are naturally seeing kind of a change there where it's okay to leave on time. You know, it's not, you're not going to get a brownie point for staying at work for an extra two hours um, or or going into work on a Sunday and negating time with family. Um, You you know, I think it is becoming more acceptable, but there's definitely, you know, for our elite athletes, we seem to, we sort of okay it even more so.
0: They've Mm. trained
1: really hard, so therefore, you know, we'll, we'll, we must ensure that they have a big meal, um, they have a lot of sleep and we really look after them. Whereas, yeah, I think sometimes in business, um, there's not that sort of, um, there's not the same attention put on those really critical factors.
0: Yes. Something else that I'd love to get your opinion on as well, and I think this beautifully models across in the sporting arena and in in business, and this is the whole concept of time. Now, if I think of my daughter, she is, is working with a coach. She is going into competition next year for uh, bodybuilding, and one of the things that she need, needed to do every single day was work, walk either 20,000 or 30,000 steps. Anyway, a coach now has said, no, we need to decrease that and she says, Thank goodness, because it takes hours. Sure. And so in the athletic space, it's how many of this, how many of that, rather than time. Yes, in the business world, we we focus a lot on time, but performance is not necessarily time-based, but rather how can you do things more effectively and efficiently within in time? Speak a bit about that, because I think that's a huge shift in the business Absolutely. space. Absolutely.
1: Oh look absolutely um and i mean it's really interesting you you mentioned that i literally just had an email from a client yesterday who i am training for a half ironman um and her one of her questions so i've sent through her program um, now, a half Ironman, for, for those of you who, who don't know what a half Ironman is, it's, it's a triathlon. Um, it involves a 1.9 kilometre swim, um, a 90.1 kilometre bike ride and a 21.1 kilometre uh, run. So depending on your ability, it's going to take, you know, anywhere between five and seven hours to complete, say. Um, now, the question that came from her was, well, I, hold on, I'm really worried because I don't have a five-hour bike ride every weekend uh, to complete. Um, I've given her, I think the maximum I've given her is a three-hour bike ride. Um, and so my question back to her was, well, are we training you for a half Ironman or, or for a full Ironman? Um, because I think definitely uh, we can, you know, you can, time can get away from us, if you like, and we can do things too long. Um, So one thing in elite in the elite athlete space is overtraining um, and actually doing you know doing more than we need to do but of course at the other end we know also that you know we only get to touch in with athletes for a small period of time per day. So your daughter's coach doesn't have access to your daughter kind of 24 hours a day. So he needs to, he or she needs to be really strategic um, with what they do in the time that they do have have access. So, um, you know, definitely in sport, you know, we know that the body is not um, invincible. We know that injuries do happen. We know that burnout happens. Um, Athletes, and we've seen it in swimming a lot. Um, A lot of past Olympic athletes will talk about this sort of black line fever Um, Mm. where, you know, mentally they're just so incredibly drained from the hours and hours of training we've put in. So I think over time um, in the sporting world we are getting more strategic with how many sort of hours per day we have athletes dedicate to training, Um, whereas potentially in the business world it's still a concept of more is better.
0: Yeah, and what is interesting about that is because if I look at, if you just see different people's styles, I know for me, I work in in spurts, if you will, like mm-hmm. I work for a full couple of hours really full on and then I need to take a break. Some days, depending, and, and this is where I think as individuals, we need to be very mindful and monitoring our energy and, and, you know, sometimes we feel like pushing through the body's a good messenger and it'll be sh- sharing with mm-hmm. you where it's at, and if we continue to ignore it, the body will take things into its own hands and often with with um, an illness or some form to, to stop you from um, continuing to, to move forward. However... You know, in the business world, I think if we continue to measure and monitor everyone on the same, it's same factors like, well, you know, you have to be at work at eight hours and fill those complete eight hours, whereas someone who is able to efficiently and effectively complete what they needed to do within five hours, why continue to push them for eight hours? You couldn't, you know, unnecessarily burn them out.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's, but you know, it's potentially where we've seen, um, I think, just a change almost in the last 18 months with COVID. Um, Funnily enough, you know, I think I want to say that's one of the benefits that's come from COVID. So more and more employees uh, are are realising that, one, they can effectively do their work from home so they don't necessarily need to go into the office, which then cuts back on on travel time. Um, It sort of cuts back on all those chats around the coffee, the, you know, the coffee machine or the water fountain. Um, and, and, and I think there probably is um, a realisation that, you know, number one, um, you can be just of, if you're efficient, if you're fresh, mm. if you're energised, if you're, um, you know, if your nutrition has been looked after, if you're well hydrated, if you've had a lot of sleep, um, if you've been exercising, you've got more energy and you can be just as effective in that five-hour space Um, that you might have been in an eight hour space. Um, And if anything, you know, yourself being, being at home, you get to work sort of hard and efficiently for a couple of hours. And then when the camera is turned off, you can really kind of relax and just be you you can put your rug boots on or you oh, can no, you know there's a, <laughs> there's a classic you know there's been a sort of a classic um um uh, pictures on on social media and things of seeing you know the executive you, you know the executive director sitting in his suit but actually underneath he's wearing his boxer shorts and his slippers because he hasn't yeah. um you know he's just put the top half on for the zoom meeting
0: oh, um, It's interesting that you should say that because how many people realised that spending an hour and in some instances an hour and a half fighting traffic just to get to work can really deplete your energy, can't it? And so because that no longer has been an issue for some people... Whereas their commute to work and passing traffic may have been, you know, their child going up the stairs while they're going down the stairs, and then they're pretty much at work, working, can realise, my goodness, I actually feel a lot more fresh than... So yeah, I can definitely some benefits, um, incredible benefits in that area too, and it's wonderful to see that there's a, a change in the guard, if you will, that people are starting to see. Well, this this is something that we need to be mindful of because moving forward, as you said, a lot more people are... Um, far more um, looking out for that work-life balance because they know that uh, it's going to impact how they show up. Let's talk a little bit about some of the things that we need to be mindful of when it comes to business management. What are some of the practical lessons as leaders when it comes to really maximising how we're leading a team uh, that maybe we can borrow from what some of these Olympic athletes and what you've been doing with them that we can translate into the business world.
1: Sure. Um, I, funnily enough, I, I, I thought about this the other day and I thought about um, when we see photographs of elite athletes, on the whole, we tend to see them, um, there's three different scenarios that we'll see the elite athlete in. So we either see them um, during an event where some adversity has happened um they've fallen off the horse they've crashed the bike um, they've had a particularly nasty tackle and they've done an ACL and so you're seeing these um you know photos of sort of of adversity um then you've got moments of success so we're very good at capturing moments of success so the fist pump you know at the end of the race or or standing atop of the metal dais and then three, uh, I think we see these really beautiful moments of pride, um, and I think we've seen that a lot. Just um, so our our, to- our team for Tokyo, which is finally going ahead, you know, we're starting to athletes are starting to be officially qualified, and I don't know if you've seen on social media, um, but they they've created a uh, um, an airline ticket. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's it's just a standard boarding pass for a plane, but it's you're going to the Olympic Games with the athlete's name on it, and I think you know. So we're seeing a lot of photos of the athlete wearing the green and gold tracksuit. Um, you, you know, they've got a flag. There's the Australian flag near nearby with the emblem, um, and they've got this ticket with their name on it, going to the Olympic Games. So, I think there's a few things in there, and and, I mean, we can unpack all three of them or one of them. um, But one of those in particular, I think, is that um, celebrating success. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I wonder, I think athletes have a really unique opportunity to celebrate success, one, on a regular basis, and two, in its immediacy. Mm -hmm. So, the minute the race is won, the arms are up in the air or, or you know, the arms are, are out wide. The minute the race is won, there's the, there's the big smile on the face or sometimes we'll see often uh, is Djokovic, some of the tennis players, will throw themselves onto the ground um, to sort of and that outpouring of emotion. Um, and I don't know that we always give employees that opportunity to do so in business. So do we really celebrate those, and not just the big successes, but do we celebrate the really small successes along the way? Um, So I think that's definitely, uh, you know, something that we can take from elite athletes.
0: Yes, and even individually too, I, I would imagine it's important and I'm sure, you know, the athletes are encouraged, even during training, if they're able to push past their best time. All of those little things are actually milestones, aren't they? And often as business, we will go from one project to another without congratulating or taking time to acknowledge. And I think it's important to do for other team members, but also for yourself too, because to rush from one project to another, and often we do do that, don't we? We're not acknowledging, hey, this is what I've done. That's good, good. We're on the right track. I think it's important.
1: Yeah, well, look, we know that, I mean, from a scientific perspective, um, there is a release of chemicals in the brain. Um, so when we've achieved something that makes us feel good, there's a release of dopamine. Um, and it's been, you know, well proved that if we can acknowledge that we get a greater release. Um, and once you've had that release, it feels really good, you know, so you kind of want more of it. Um, So, then you're more likely to start um, behaving in a way that is going to, um, you know, release that chemical again, if you like.
0: Yeah. Something Um, that I do want to talk, I was going to ask you, um, I, I would love to touch on, well, what happens in the moments where something does happen because, um, A, there's often disappointment in ourselves as well. But in the athletic world, you have that whole area of other people weighing into things from the media. And in some instances, you know, you have to learn to switch off. I'm sure that's an area that a lot of other athletes are supported in. The reason I want to share, talk a little bit more about that in the business sense as well is yes, it's great to celebrate and and, and really, you know, high five for the achievements. And it's also important to to again acknowledge the areas where we may have failed but not look at it as a a real it's an opportunity for growth if you will and then the criticism to how do we manage that or get to a point where we don't allow that to um, impact our identity what we think about and how we move forward I'd love you to share some insights on that.
1: Sure I think um uh, look, again, you know, there's no um, Olympic athlete or professional athlete on this planet that that does it all themselves. Mm. There is, there's a huge team, um, a support network behind them. Um, so there's, you know, there's the whole um, band of physical therapies sort of holding the athlete together in terms of, you know, the massage therapist and the sports medicine doctor and the psychologist and the nutritionist and the strength and conditioning conditioning coach, um, as well as you've got, you know, there are teammates, so even if you're competing in an individual sport, um, often that's part of a team. So there are other players, you've got the coaches, you've got the managers, um, you've got the support staff. So there really is, um, there's a huge band um, of people behind you and and you've got, um, I, I guess you've sort of, you've got the opportunity then to excel in all of these, all of these areas. Um, so the nutritionist is, is constantly working on you to make sure that when you go into an event, you've got maximal energy levels. Um, and when you recover from event, you're recovering as fast as possible by eating foods that are going to kind of induce recovery. Um, you know, your, your coach will make sure that they've, Tapered you correctly for the event. So when you're coming into, again, I sort of possibly get the sense that in business, in the lead up to a big event, um, potentially businesses just work harder and harder and harder. Whereas we can't do that with an athlete. Um, there's there's what we call a taper, where we keep the intensity high, but we drop the volume off. So if, if you like, it would be the number of work hours per day gets less. So the athlete can be as fresh as possible for the big event. Um, I'm not sure
0: that always happens in business. Yeah, um, and it doesn't. If you think of the the incredible support team behind a, an Olympic athlete or an athlete that's mm. really performing at that high level, businesses. I mean, I'm sure you would talk to a business owner who is maybe constantly going from meeting to meeting, who's constantly thinking, they're, they're you know, constantly having to make these high decisions, high level decisions. That's going to impact not only team across the board, but many millions of often, or even if it's a smaller budget, there's a high expectation. And if we're thinking to ourselves, well, what support am I getting? Am I looking after myself nutritionally? Do I know what what foods are going to to really help me maximise my output, input and output? We, we've heard of that, Jim, before. I mean, I'm just thinking, my goodness, I don't think as business owners or, or people in the, the business space are probably even considering what sort of support am I getting? And where may I be missing out? You know, we are, we've heard that saying, we are, we are as strong as our weakest link. What if Absolutely. the weak link is that you're not getting enough sleep or you're actually eating the wrong foods or, you know, whatever it, it is? And if we don't get the kind of the support of someone who can see that from, you know, the externally, then we may not ever put into place any strategy to be able to help us grow in that particular area, yes?
1: absolutely and I think what what happens kind of as a result of that is um, athletes you know we talk about athletes as being very good they have high resilience mm. um, and, and it's a it's a very sort of it's a popular term if you like um, and it's interesting just to unpack resilience itself and work out well what is resilience and how do you build resilience I mean you could look at a um, you could look at a rugby player and say well it's pretty easy to see how they build resilience resilience because they get pummeled into the ground and then they have to stand back up again and go again. And surely if you do that a hundred times in a match, you build resilience Um, now that's a very physical way of building resilience um, but how do you have the opportunity to build resilience as a team member Um, and i guess one thing you know that athletes do do well is having that recovery space as well so once there's been um you know a hard training session or a hard block of training or a big competition we're always very conscious of making sure that the athlete has time out and I think it's really, it's it's in that time out where you get the opportunity to reflect on what you've achieved, um, to prepare yourself to, for what's to come. That's where you can build resilience and that's where businesses can build resilience. Um, whereas if we're like we do very well, if we're just constantly moving from project to project um, and we're not really giving ourselves that that boundary or that time to just, sit and, and reflect and, and build. And even if it means that there's a period of not achieving mm. for for a couple of days or for a week, I think we'll often find that that's going to help productivity um, mm. and performance in the long run.
0: Yeah. And I'd imagine when you are working with an athlete that uh, maybe they had, you know, there was a competition or, or there may have been an injury, um, they don't just say to that athlete, well, get a good night's rest and we'll see you tomorrow. There are plans, there are stages to really help. Now, if we look at that as the business, in the business world, and if a team member or, or a team has been working on a project that did not necessarily have the outcome that we wanted, rather than going in there and berating people, well, not that they would, but, you know, you would yeah. encourage them to step back. What, went, what, what was missing? What can we do better? And helping them learn learn and identify I think even in that process that helps build resilience doesn't it because we can use that approach when we're you know maybe experiencing other challenges in the workplace yes
1: yeah definitely and and again I think that's um you know that is where sports so that whole um, you know kind of overcoming adversity if you will um, and it's uh, you know you'll see it a hot topic um sort of in in Australia at the moment with AFL teams um, and we they constantly they're being questioned as to when the best player you know when that best player is going to get back on the field and I mean the the science that is behind you um, the number of playing minutes that an athlete can afford to do, um, the science that has gone into that, and, and a whole multidisciplinary approach um, with your again with your your sports medicine doctor and your physiotherapist, and 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 often I mean it can come down to um, you, you know there was a classic one with Michael Jordan, um, obviously you know probably the world's one of the world's greatest basketball players and and um, um, one of the world's greatest athletes, shall we say um and and I mean often for him it was how many playing minutes can we afford we want him for the whole time we want him on the on the court for the whole time but we can't especially if he's carrying a little bit of a niggle we know that we can't afford to do that so how are we going to be strategic um um you know when are we going to have him on the court and when are we going to make that really hard decision to pull him off yes. the court um, even if he's saying, I'm fine, I'm good to go. But if we've got the science behind us to say, we calculated five and a half minutes of playtime and we're at five and a half minutes, yeah. y- you know, it- it's time to back off. Whereas, again, I think in business, there'd be that because there's not the physical body that's actually on the line, there'd be that tendency to push through. Yes. Um, even though the mind itself is, 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 is something that still needs, you know, fine oh, tuning yeah. and, and you know, yeah,
0: well,
1: um, I to be well looked after.
0: I, I was speaking to someone, and I'm I think it was today that uh, someone mentioned that that you know when you're thinking about just the thoughts and concern, anxiety, and so forth, a lot of that mental activity can be draining can absolutely be draining. And similarly, when you're making decisions, your brain, and I don't know this if you've got any this kind of stats behind that, but just thinking the brain uses energy, doesn't it? To do to do to do those thoughts. And uh we can continue to ask the brain to continue operating at the highest level possible without rest and without absolutely the and watering the brain, if you will, you know.
1: Definitely, but I think, and I think, oh, uh, sorry.
0: No, no, I was going to say hydrating, not watering the blame. Yes, watering,
1: <laughs> hydrating the blame absolutely. Yeah. Um, um, oh, there's so much there just in that one point. But, uh, you know, one thing that comes to mind um, automatically for me, you'll you'll often hear an athlete at the end of a competition say that they don't remember what just happened. Um, I, I, you know, I'm thinking um, specifically of Kate Campbell, our, our Olympic swimmer. Now, she broke the world record. She's broken the world record in the 100-meter freestyle um, on, a, on a few different occasions. But this one particular race, you know, she, her first response was, wow, I can't believe I just did that. I can't really remember the race. Uh, Lauren Mitchell, world champion on floor, um, in women's artistic gymnastics, who I had the the honour of working with for for a number of years. Um, y- you know, she would often say, "I I, I barely remember my routine," mm-hmm. um, and it's so ingrained. They've practiced it over and over and over again that it's incredibly automatic. Um, and I think sometimes, so you could take a world record has just been broken but there's barely any mental output that's happened mm. because for the body for the mind it's just another day in the office if you like it's just what i've been trained to do and sure the stars have aligned and everything's come together and the preparation has been absolutely perfect um but you know, there is that, um, um, that moment where everything has come together to such a degree that they barely remember what has just happened. Um, and especially now, so the swimming trials have, have sort of literally just finished for the Australian Olympic swim team. Um, and whilst Tokyo is, is is literally around the corner, those athletes will have Uh, you know, a small amount of time off. It it won't be long. It will probably only be a couple of days. but after such a huge emotional high of, of making Olympic Games, yeah. um, you know, not just the physical um, taxation on the body um, but the the mental as well, then, um, you know, we know that they need that small amount of time out before, they can, before we can ask of them again, if you
0: like. Yes. Well, luckily, and this is um, being a bit sarcastic and humorous at the same time, they'll be able to rest when they're in the um, quarantine queue or coming through that. <laughs> oh, goodness. <laughs> And that's a whole other pressure as well, but I'm sure they would have been um, prepared for for that. Um, I know that um, we're just about at the end of our conversation. I've loved speaking with you today, and I know we've only just scratched the surface, but I'm certain have uh, piqued the interest of people, so I will in a moment, uh, Sasha, get you to share how people can find out more. But when we're talking about the characteristics of high-performing teams and individuals, let's just list what would you say are the top three three, if you can narrow this down to the top three, characteristics of a high performing team that as leaders, we should be looking at really instilling and and building in, in our teams
1: yeah I think you can um, I think you can categorize this into into sort of three categories. Um, and I've got I, I've put four points under each of each category. Yes. So I think there's um, the first category would be considered building. So being able to utilize diversity in your team you know, especially when we're talking about team sports, we're not always looking for the fastest athlete. We're not always looking for the strongest athlete. We're not looking for the the, the world's best athletes to come into one team. We're looking for what that one individual can deliver, um, you know, to a team. Um, improving systems, practising continuous learning and having clear goals um, are another three things that um, I, I see sort of on a daily basis with the athletics world um, and wonder whether businesses can take those forward as well then i think you have uh bridging so one point i've got down here is managing stakeholders uh now again when it comes to especially professional sport you know it's not just about the 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 team and the, the sports medicine team behind them there's also sponsors um and they need to be sort of managed effectively Um, with the input that they have to athletes. Uh, Creating purposes, um, you know, really creating a purpose for your team. So what is the end goal? Um, Managing work and deadlines. um, And I've got down here again, celebrating success together um, and recognizing contributions that everyone has made. Because very rarely does one individual achieve um, you, you know, it's it's all about the, the team that they have behind them. Um, and then lastly, I've got down is buffering. So I think that ability to, to kind of build trust, uh, communicate clearly, respect each other, um, you know, are, are vital points um, that again, you see very clearly on the sporting field, share leadership, being agile, um, and having those very defined roles and responsibilities. Um, I'll tell you a super quick story, um, the one that just springs to mind, which actually doesn't come from the sporting sense at all, but it was President Obama visited NASA, uh, Mm -hmm. the space station. This is a a true story. And he came across a cleaner um, and she, you know, she was carrying a mop and she had a bucket, so she was clearly cleaner. And he asked her, what do you do here? What is your role? And she said, I'm here to send a man to the moon. And I thought that was just brilliant yeah. um, as a nice way of of summarising that thought.
0: Yeah, it's brilliant because that's right. I mean, she is part of the team. That keeps absolutely the workplace in a in a in a state that people are able to optimize all of the people who are you know maybe communicating. I love the way that you've um, shared that because how many of us within the workplace. Um, have heard others say or maybe we've been people who have said oh I don't really have a role I just do X Y and Z well it doesn't absolutely or the CEO you are all contributing your skills gifts talents knowledge the whole lot to support the organization so absolutely absolutely um, I'd love today's conversation what is the best way for people to find out more about you your work how can they connect with you
1: Sure. Well, um, I've actually got a I've got a webinar coming up in a couple of weeks with Lynn Hawkins from BWA. So that will be um up on the Business Women Australia um uh, sort of Facebook page and and um, website. Uh, I have a website. So my business is called Peak Preparation. Uh, you can find that at www.peakpreparation.com.au. com. Um, and I'm fairly regular across uh, the social media channels of. LinkedIn, Facebook, and uh, Instagram.
0: Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show and giving us uh, just a snapshot into what your world was like working with athletic or athletes uh, at the, you know the high level, Olympic level, and how we can really embrace and bring some of those principles and strategies that you used with them to support them and maximising their performance and what they did into the workplace. And uh, look forward to learning more as uh, we continue to, to follow you across the socials. Thank Thanks so much again for coming on the show.
1: Thanks, Anne Marie. Thank you.
0: You've been listening to Business Women Australia podcast. Want to become part of a dynamic collective of women who are passionate about business success and personal growth? Go to businesswomenaustralia.com.au forward slash membership to apply. That's businesswomenaustralia.com.au forward slash membership.